With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, it is the weekender from the Anfield Wrap and another packed show for you ahead. Uh, coming up on the show, we've got Kieran Maguire, the football finance expert, and he's talking about the results this week from Liverpool that have been out there. You will have seen them in the papers and heard them on the news, but we've got some good analysis of that around all that, so that's to come. We'll also be hearing about the Liver Girls International event for International Women's Day. That's that's coming up as well. But first up, we're going to chat to a couple of things with Andy Heaton, Becky Lloyd, Raganhild, Lund Ansnes. Have I done it? Oh, yes, you did it. Oh, I'm going red and Everton. I couldn't do her name so many times. <laughs> and Sean O'Donnell from Boss Night as well. Sean, just to kick us off, uh, what a mad what a mad time you've all had. You got Dua Lipper. Tell us a little bit about how that's all happened. Yeah, it's um, it's a mad one, isn't it? I think um, the way it's come about is just from Kiev and all the, all the madness around Kiev. So basically one of the lads sent a, a naive email to her management team asking if she'd come down to, to district of all places. Um, <laughs> and believe it or not, she didn't. But uh, <laughs> but yes, but, but a manager's a big red. So from that, basically, we've stayed in touch. Um, and there was always, you know, a conversation around if she did come to Liverpool, we'll be able to collaborate and stuff like that. And yeah, it, it, it's happening. So um, I do want to clear up some confusion. It, it's not the boss night's end of season party. That will be separate. And, you know, that, that, that'll be happening completely different to this event. It is just a Dewey Lipper concert. Um, but yeah, we, we'll be involved. And, you know, hopefully there'll be things around boss that we can announce that are happening at the concert but but not right now but yeah all good in terms of tickets as well what do people need to do there yeah just head to the MS Bank Arena website we had a pre-sale that was live yesterday um, I think that's past now I think they're on general sale Friday 9 o'clock so I don't know when this is going out but just, yeah tomorrow morning <laughs> um, okay yeah Brilliant stuff. Okay, club finances then. Uh, everyone in the room knows that this is on the agenda and they've all pulled a face uh, like I did as well. But they needn't have worried because Andy likes football finances even if anyone else doesn't. So Andy, what, what have you made of the numbers that have come out this <clears throat> week? Um, mildly encouraging, Gareth, thanks. <laughs> um, now we're all right. I mean, I know it's the boring stuff, but it's kind of stuff that gets people excited when it gets converted into, you know, signing players exactly. and all that stuff. And it's a little bit of one up on Man United. So do you want do you want a little debrief on it all? Go on, mate. So uh, Liverpool announced a pre-tax profit of forty-two million on increased turnover of five-three-three. You can go as as in depth as you want about this. One of the standouts from this, though, this is the reporting period that ends thirty-first of May which um, doesn't include something that might have happened on the 1st of June, for those with a sharp memory. Um, basically, turnover's gone up in all the, across broadcast, media, match day, it's all up. Uh, 78 million has gone up in broadcast, which is from the Champions League, um, which is really healthy. So that's got it. Uh, media revenues increased 41 to 261. Yeah, that's the broadcasting side of it. Commercial revenue's gone up, and we'll go up further next year because the Nike deal, but it's gone up 34 million this year to 188. And match day revenue, which is interesting given all the talk about the Anfield Road, one thing and the other, has only gone up 3.5 million to 84. When I mean, you compare those figures into the broader spectrum, like broadcast revenues and all that, you realise how little, relatively, your capacity really affects it, especially with Liverpool having a freeze on it. And we don't like cheap match tickets. I think that's, that, that goes without saying, but where's Liverpool have held season ticket price? I think it's reflected on that. Um, they, they made a big deal out of saying out of these figures, 220 million has gone out of these accounts on spending on players when we're still declaring a profit. That's pretty good. Uh, debt, uh, the stuff that no one really likes talking about, the bank, the money owed to banks and stuff, which is the, the stuff they done us in last time, that down from uh, to, to 12 million pounds from 46 million. So we've been paying down debt, which is an interesting thing I'm going to expand on in a minute. 
And the debt on the main stand, which is owed directly to FSG, that's down to 79 million from 100. Um, so we're paying that down as well and still making a bit of money. On top of this, obviously the 50 million pound we're going to spend, which isn't in these accounts, is on the new academy and uh, what well, new academy, the new training base in in Kirby, and also the planned expansion for the Anfield Road. Again, that uh, planned uh, that should expand Anfield to 61,000. That's going to cost about 60 million, but again, won't be in these accounts. Now, compare and contrast with Man United. So. I mean, I don't know how long it's been, but for almost felt like 20 years. It felt, it felt like Man United were streets ahead of Liverpool, on and off the pitch. Uh, United this week announced their quarter. They do their results quarter because the way they're set up with the because they're on the New York Stock Exchange, all that stuff, financial restrictions and all that boring gear. Anyway, um, they fell heavily. Uh, basically, cash reserves down from uh, 140 million to 101 million. Six, six million drop in match day rev because no Champions League. Uh, 40 million broadcast uh, drop in broadcast revenue, no Champions League. Uh, 20% drop overall, but more interestingly enough, the debt. Now, bear in mind when the Glazers took over Man United, they were 500 million in debt. And all the money they've made, and the Glazers have spent 800 million in interest payments only. The debt at Man United is up just in this quarter at 74 million pounds at 392 million pounds. So if you're talking about trajectory, and good housekeeping and all the boring stuff that no one wants to talk about which club looks in a better financial position well not only that mate what, which football club looks in a better position but with, full with, stop without even looking at the, no I know but, a lot um, of the, no, but what, the, 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 the contrast I'm trying to make there is that but they'll let you look at the likes of uh, Chelsea in the 2000s and a certain other club in Manchester at the minute it's not like we've spent our way to mm. where we are oh, in the yeah. league it's been done frugally in this argument that City are having about, oh, well, how are we expected to compete without spending all these monies to catch up? Well, lads, look at us. I mean, Mansour's been in Man City, what, 10 years now? And look at the position we were in, what, six years ago? Do you know what I mean? But Ragenhild. That is uh, it. Ragenhild. <laughs> I'm getting it now, aren't I? I'm saying yeah. it better than Lizzie. Um, <laughs> what what Andy's, Andy just said something there, which is basically that we're performing better than Manchester United. Well, that, that, that seems to be the case, obviously, off the pitch and on it. And this week we've been linked with Timo Werner a number on a number of occasions, not least because he's literally fluttering his eyelashes at every opportunity to Jurgen Klopp. But um, what's interesting is that there was a story out there on the Athletic today um, where they were talking about that Man United have already made an approach apparently, and that he's but he's hanging on. He wants Liverpool. He doesn't want Man United. He wants to come here. He wants to go for Klopp. He wants to be involved in this team, this squad. And that, that just sort of backs up, like you know. So the finances, yeah, I understand why a lot of people find them boring, but it is an important thing. It's another indicator that we're doing really well. All the other stuff as well off the pitch, the the extension potentially to the Anfield Road, Kirby, etc. Everything just points in general to us going in in the right direction and a brilliant direction. And Timo Werner wanting to come when he's you know banging in all these goals in the Bundesliga again makes it. it it's lovely, isn't it? It's great. It is great because for. Finally, we don't have to fear the transfer windows. We can just sit back and laugh and just choose carefully who we want rather than begging for people to come. And it's such a wonderful, lovely position to be in. And not just financially, because everybody wants to, as you say, play under Klopp. Because the whole world has been watching what this man has done and how he has turned around the club in just four years. It's magic. And, and where else would you want to go if you are the top player of the world today? Where on earth would you want to go if you didn't want to go to Liverpool? Well, Becky, that's a good question because uh, in the news today, uh, and, and whether you trust the source or not is another matter, but um, Mo Salah has been linked to Real Madrid, uh, 126 million quid. Uh, the story goes that Madrid uh, actually want Mbappe but can't afford him, and that Salah's the next drop down. But What's just being said there is spot on in that once upon a time, I think, as Liverpool fans, we'd be very scared of these rumours. We'd be like, well, yeah, obviously they'd go. And look, he might go. Career-wise, he might want one more move before his career's over. It's only a short time playing a football and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But it seems we're in a better position than maybe ever before to resist these types of bids. Totally. I think we're in that um, it, like buyer's market position, aren't we, where if you, if you were Mo Salah you'd be thinking, well, where have I got more chance of winning another league title and of winning another Champions League title next year? I mean, if you even just look on the match yesterday with um, yeah. Real Madrid, 
it's not looking as hopeful for them. And obviously they're not doing as great as they'd like to be doing in, in the past few games in La Liga as well. And so where would you want to be? It, it, just seems, it just seems that what's going on at Liverpool is so much more solid. And that foundation that seems to just, we're just starting to see the peak of that foundation beginning to happen. And so it, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else if I was Mo Salah. And I, and I think that if Liverpool even thought about it, we're in a p- position to say because of the contracts, not selling them for that much money. Not at all. And, and sure, it's not that long ago, is it, that we remember like daft things like, you know, Steven Gerrard being asked to text players to try and get them to come to Liverpool because because Gerrard was basically bigger than the manager that we had at the time yeah. in Brendan. No disrespect to the fella, but that was the case, and that's why he was doing things. It's Tony like Cruz won it. But, <laughs> I think it was Tony Cruz. I think Cruz it was, won it, yeah. yeah. But you know, now you've got a situation where we have got. And it, without being big headers and w- without doing that Liverpoolian thing, we probably have got the best manager in the world. Well, yeah, we, and and players will want to come. It's turn round. They're coming knocking on our door. You know, like Werner right now. Definitely, I, I think the thing for me that speaks volumes about it is the last time this we were like in the mark of this calibre of player and going for these big players was in the Hicks and Gillette era, wasn't it? So it was not long after Istanbul. We had money and we were doing it. But going back to the finances a minute, back then it was like we were doing it on a credit card and yeah. it wasn't our money. But now, because of the health that the club's in, because of all, doing all the right things behind the scenes, we're doing it with our actual money. And it just feels like light years ahead. And it feels good. It feels really good. And Andy, you remember as well, you know, mentioning Hicks and Gillette there, you know, go back to those days briefly, go back to that time. And look, there's been moans and groans about FSG at times. Some of them warranted, some of them not. But you remember as well as me that at the time when it looked really dark, when it looked really bad for Liverpool under Hicks and Gillette, I can remember you, me and everyone else were saying, all we want is Liverpool to live within their means. You know, we weren't asking for a country to come and back Liverpool. We were saying we want Liverpool to punch its weight and that's now what it's doing. Yeah, it's an infrastructure question, isn't it? I mean, I think you, you, you look back then, the potential of the club was always there. One thing, one advantage that Liverpool has always had, and you've got to say the same for United, to be fair, is that they have this history and this fan base. It's just that other clubs were harnessed and they're far better mm. than us. Uh, one thing you'd have to begrudgingly give Hicks and Gillette credit for is that they could see that potential. They just tried to fast forward it a little bit at the worst possible time as the as the, the financial crisis hit globally. And it shows how, how, made, how, how made the straw it is. Whereas this has been, and I've been one of Fenway Sports Group's biggest critics, let's be honest about it, so I'm not going to be two-faced about it. They've been conservative. They've put things together. In, they've been proven right by history. You can't argue about that, whether you agree with them or not. There's, and there's things I still disagree with them with. They've been proven right by what's on the pitch. Um, Chapel Street's grown massively. Uh, you look at the staff employed by Liverpool now. The commercial deals out, out from foot yard on on um, with the digitals. Made the, 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 I've read something about they, they made more money than any other club in the world off digital say off off the off the YouTube channel, which mm. is phenomenal. They put a sporting team in there, which it, I think doesn't get noticed enough, like the, Mo, the likes of Mona and Emma, um, and all the sports scientists and nutritionists and all that. They, they, they're investing in cutting edge. They are so far ahead when 10, 15 years ago, they were so far behind. It's phenomenal, and that's been matched by what's been done on the pitch with the manager and the squad that he's got. So, yeah, fantastic. Just one final note on the finances, just to bore you one bit more. But CJ said, living within our means, the wages Liverpool pay are 56% of the turnover. Which is uh, comparing the trust with Manchester City, if you believe their figures are operating at fifty-seven percent. A healthy barometer uh, is sub seventy percent, um, and I think Everton's uh, when they announced their financials last month were over ninety percent. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh no, massively. Yeah, and I think Everton booked a loss of over hundred million as well. I mean, not to get a dig at Everton, but. No, it it seems like it's all systems go, but it's been done in a in a controlled manner, shall we say. We've spent mm. money when it's needed to be spent in key areas, but for every Virgil van Dijk, there's been an Andy Robertson. For every Alison Becker, we've nurtured someone through, like Trent mm. Alexander-Arnold. And the, you don't seem to get a sense of the, the panic buying. I mean, you look at the money that, I, I, again, using United as a reference point, the money they've spent on Alexis Sanchez because they wanted to get him ahead of yeah. Man City. Mainly, the main sporting reason for United buying Alexis Sanchez is to stop Man City getting him, which is which is it's the type of thing we do to but get even one the up. money they pay to keep players. Oh so yeah, the money they pay in Rashford, the money they pay in De Gea. De Gea's on yeah. four hundred grand a week. That's what I mean. And he's having a, and there's a lad they've got on the books who's playing for you at Man United, who's playing for Sheffield United, who's had the better season than him. 
But then you get trapped in this thing with De Gea. De Gea is a great example. You can't not play him because he's on so much money, but also you can't get rid of him because how many clubs are going to pay him 400 grand a week to get him off your books? It's just, it's just impossible. So when it comes to, I mean, I, I don't put much stock in the Mo Salah story, but Rangel's completely right in so much as you get the sense that, sorry, players... Perfect. Oh, there you go. That was different to what I said. That's a Norwegian pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, I see. He's known me for longer than you, Gareth. Um... Players are coming in and going out on our say so, not at the behest of an agency who wants to move a client to Barcelona or we'll have our names out of the round for the for, for another club. Alison Becker being a prime example, he was rumoured to go to Real Madrid and it, it's still taking a while, for, I think, for us to get out of our heads that when we're going in for a player, we're scared that Real Madrid or Barcelona might, might come yeah, in for I was just Well, that was going to be my next point that you know we've had that in the past, haven't we? That we're linked to a player. And we get excited as fans, and we even to the point where we think, "Oh, we've got in there early," and we're there at the door first, and we've opened the talks before anyone else. And then United would come in, or then Real Madrid, or then Barcelona would come in, and and more often than not, it seemed we got gazumped and we didn't end up with the player. And now it seems those tables have totally turned around. So, like I say, that story in the Athletic this morning is that Man United and Barcelona have already gone knocking for Timo Werner, and he's gone. Yeah, sound. I'm just waiting for the reds, to be honest. Exactly. Um, hasn't, I, he, hasn't he got a get-out get clause of April? So yeah. Of April. Mm. That's right, yeah. I, I was reading something before and it was saying that um, he's waiting for Liverpool because apparently Klopp and Edwards get all their all their planning for next season done and, and signed off in March. Yeah. So he's basically waiting for next month to come and then, yeah. And just when we mentioned transfers in Barcelona in one sentence, I still feel how much I hurt. I was physically in Barcelona Barcelona, as I would say, uh, which means Pulona in in Norwegian, <laughs> uh, which is fun. Uh, when Suarez signed for them, and they they were so quick at hanging up his shirt. Mm. I mean, oh, I hadn't even left the place before the Suarez shirts were on uh, printed on the back of the wrong the wrong club. Uh, and this year, I don't think you have to fear that. I don't mm. think so. And if Salah wants to go, that good old saying. Klopp will let him go. Just look at what he did with Coutinho. But he, we'll get top whack and the money yeah, exactly. will get reinvested. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if we sell uh, Salah because he, he's not motivated to, to, to put his curls in the rain anymore for whatever reason it is because it can't be that he wants to go to a better team. It mm. must be to go to a better climate. Um, so, so be it because we will buy the same level or I, I was just going to say, say that about FSG. I, I, I don't mind FSG. I like them. I think they're all right. But... Um, one criticism I did have of them was that when we were talking about all the money that we're spending on players, it was always following a big player leaving and, and money coming in. But it feels like they're justified now. It feels like everything that they've done, I don't know how long they plan out, and I know a lot of it's down to Klopp, but all those players going, you look at Sterling, Coutinho, now it feels like, well, actually, yeah, we, we, I don't feel like we missed them. So, no. yeah. It, it already feels like there's succession planning going on as well, doesn't it? So... I mean, I think we're safe. I keep saying this, but we are. We're on safe ground. We've won the league. We've won <laughs> yes. the league. We've already won the European Cup. We've won the Club World Cup as well. We might win the FA Cup. We might win the Champions League again. There's loads of good stuff going on right now, but it already feels like that everyone's thinking about the future. So it's not like the boom and bust of Liverpool's of the past. So Klopp signed up and he's ready to go. And one of the reasons he said he was signing up, which I loved, was the fact that he said, when we go and speak to players... They want to know what's happening for the next four or five years, mm-hmm. and what they can go when they go and speak to players. They can say, "Well, I'm going to be here, and we've got this new training facility, and we're making the ground bigger, and all our stars are signed up and ready to go, and these players are coming through, and them lads we saw beat Shrewsbury, they're ready to go in a couple of years' time." And so, you know, everything does genuinely sound rosy. And if you had the choice of a few clubs, okay, Merseyside hasn't got the best weather. That's the only thing going against <laughs> it. Nothing we can do about that right now. But everything else sounds boss, and why wouldn't you join, basically? Exactly, and I think one of the things that we haven't mentioned yet is just the idea of personal development. And I think that's probably yeah. one of the biggest things that would attract a player, especially a young player, when I think of Timo Werner. If I was in his position and I'm, and I'm thinking about how can I become the next, you know, and become one of the biggest players in the world. I'd be thinking, who can I play for? Who will get me there? And that's what Klopp's been doing. That's like what Klopp's done. When we think of like uh, like Trent Alexander or we think of like Andy Robertson coming from what seemed like, you know, not near disrespect for Hull, but like it seemed like he came out of nowhere. And now look where he is. Everyone, everyone says best left back in the world. And so... 
if I was if I was Timo Werner, I'd be thinking about even if it's in a selfish way, like my own personal development. If I go and play underneath Klopp, I'm gonna become boss. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's what I think a lot of players will be thinking about right now. Is just that's where if they want to be like the best, being under Klopp is where you want to be. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff all round. Uh, that is the end of part one of the weekend. Stick with us. Loads of stuff coming up. We've got football finance, we've got the Live Girl stuff. And then be back to us in the studio with all your Watford build up. It's still giving to Craig Hannon for the Anfield Wrap. And this is a read through. This is an advertisement. It's um, courtesy of our friends at Audio Boom. And it's for uh, a new company. Well, new to uh, us, I say, a new advertiser that have been going since 1999. And it's BOTB. And it's a website where you can win your dream car. So I'm going to try and explain it to Mr. Craig Hannon because I've played and you haven't. So I'm going to try and explain it to you. And if you understand it, then my thought process is the listener will understand it as well. <laughs> you thought that if I understood it, anyone would understand no, it. That's what it. you just essentially said. <laughs> I mean, I didn't exactly mean that, but that's what we're going to go for. Okay, so basically, so you log on and they give a card away every week. Okay. Right? So yep. one, one, once a week, they give away a card. Tickets range from £85p to £7, depending on the value of the car. Right, so 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 they gave me twenty quid to play. You know, they said here's twenty quid. Have a go, see how you get on, have fun. So basically, you can pick any car you want, but the better the car, the more expensive the ticket is. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. I was I was I had twenty quid. So, so if I were to pick like you know a mid range car, you know the tickets might be two pounds. So then I could have ten. Yeah. Whereas obviously if I was if I was a bit more greedy, you know, I said, Oh, I want, I want a belter, you know, tickets might be a five and then I'd only get four entries. So you've got a you've got a plan, do you know what I mean? So I understand. It, is, it is up to you. That is good. It was funny though when I was playing because basically they've got like it's it's a uh, hundred and eighty cars to choose from and it's all sorts. And at first I was like, Oh yeah, wouldn't mind the Porsche clicking that one. And then I remembered I've got a baby. <laughs> I was picking all these like little sporty two seaters and all that. And I was like, where am I putting Ted there? Little midlife crisis that as well, isn't it? <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just a sucker for something shiny and uh, shiny and exciting. What, what can I say? <laughs> shiny sports car. Honestly, they, they look so cool. So I was like, oh yeah, maybe. Imagine me coming to work in a Ferrari on a Monday. <laughs> All right, boys. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I had to change once I realised I've now got a family. So I was going for like Land Rovers and stuff like that. S- sensible dad cars. So anyway, right. So does that make sense? So obviously, you know, you can you can be as you know as, as daring as you want in terms of what 180 cars complete range but the better the car the more expensive the ticket yeah I understand right okay good so how do you decide who wins is spot the ball oh yeah okay you weren't expecting that were you <laughs> no <laughs> so it's a spot so then it goes through to a spot the ball competition so I had 10 goes on the spot the ball because I picked the car which is about 2 pounds and then so I had 10 goes so I, I did me 10 X's yeah. on this thing and then you enter and then it goes, and then once a week they pick a winner. But how they pick a winner is it's a team of adjudicators who then decide where they think the ball is, like experts. And in my head, it was like, you know, all the lads who were doing VAR. <laughs> Just like, while nothing's going basically, on. Basically, while there's no footy, because all the footy's like Saturday and Sunday mainly, in it? So they're all there. And then during the week, they're like, look up for stuff to do. So the moonlighting for BTOB. <laughs> so so there's a gang of Fs. This, this bit might not be true. <laughs> but in my head, there's, there's a gang of Fs just outside Heathrow Airport, all deciding where these balls are. And then they say where they think, in their expert opinion, because they're in the game. Oh, Gilby's got it right. He wins, of course. <laughs> I did not get it right. Uh, one of the guys from BTOB rang me up and was like, oh, yeah, you didn't do very well, did you? I was like, oh, I made you know I mean? First go. But yeah, I was, I was nowhere near. But what they do do is if you, if you don't win, depending on how close you get, you get to you get a bit of cash back. So if they split into zone, so if zone one, so you're very close, but you don't win, you get your 100% of your ticket back. Uh, zone two, it's 15%, and zone three, 10%. So I got 10 zone threes. <laughs> so I got my, so I've actually got, I think, um, a couple of quid if uh, if you want to have a go you know, on my account. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Because, you know, I, you gave me a lift to the match the other night. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm grateful, but. What, um, what car? <laughs> You'd like to be in a cooler car. <laughs> I mean, we could have arrived in style. What kind of car? What should we go for? Oh, we'll have a little look after this, shall we? Yeah. You know, maybe a little Galaxy. <laughs> I'm done now, I tell you. Do you want, do you want something a bit more... Uh... Just like a black range over here. All right, okay. Well, we'll have a little go after this. Um, so, yeah, so if you want to play, and it is good fun, I wasn't expecting the, uh, the spot the ball elements at all. I was very excited. So it's B-O-T-B dot com 
forward slash wrap. And if you do through us, obviously they like us and, and they're likely to kind of use us again. So if you are going to have a go, make sure you do it through that link, please. It is fun. You can also play for cash prizes and stuff like that as well. And they've got all sorts. If you're not a driver, there are other prizes available, but it's mainly the car. That's what they've been doing since 1999. And there is a new winner guaranteed and you get the insurance for your first year. It's just said here, which is cool, isn't it? Okay. Um, I'm glad that made sense to you, Craig. Oh. Do you know what? The, people are going to suspect something whenever they see me driving around Anfield in the Black Ranger. This is rigged. <laughs> we're off to try and win. And it's John Gibbons now for the weekend. And we're going to do some red hot finances chat. Uh, the finances have been released today, uh, Liverpool's finances, and they look very strong. And to talk to us about that and to a few things that maybe look out for, we have Kieran Maguire, who lectures at Liverpool University. And. Kieran, um, as I said, in the top, um, you know, in terms of top line figures, in terms of headlines, it all looks very positive, which I guess is what you'd expect because Liverpool have been so successful. Yes, uh, I think what it also shows is the importance of a Champions League participation, but also the progress that Liverpool made in the competition last year. Uh, so all, all three sources of income, you normally divide the club up into uh, match day broadcast and commercial. All three are, are showing growth. Um, and if Liverpool can extend Anfield further, um, then they'll get closer and closer to, to Manchester United, who, who are sort of the leaders in terms of match day income. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned they're sort of getting closer and closer, and it's worth pointing out that, that Liverpool have remained seventh in that in that Deloitte um, league, so there's still a little way to go. But having moved from kind of ninth to seventh in the past, even sort of consolidating there is no bad thing. And obviously, you know, I guess it's the case of with with with, with real football as well is that the higher you get, the the kind of tougher you know those those latter kind of stages or, or jumps, if you like, get. Yes, very much so. Um, but I, I do think for the first time in Premier League history, uh, I, I think in 2019-20, Liverpool can potentially overtake Manchester United. Uh, presently, United are on 6-2-7 and Liverpool on 5-3-3. So that's yeah, still a sizable difference. But because United aren't in the uh, the Champions League, um, the way that UEFA divvy up the, the, the money is that 80% goes to the Champions League, 20% goes to the Europa League. Uh, so they're, they're forecasting a drop of 50 to 60 million, which means that if Liverpool can get a uh, you know, 30 million pound increase this year, uh, and clearly they'll get more money when they win the, the, the Premier League because bonuses will kick in from sponsors and you'll get extra money from the Premier League itself, then uh, I think that is an achievable target. Yeah, it, what will, I guess, please the owners is that it's the growth in all areas, really. So you mentioned there the Champions League and, and what that does, and obviously that's an absolutely huge thing, but the commercial numbers are up. Even, you know, they've, they've even highlighted that, you know, the digital stuff in terms of, you know, the digital reach they get now. Um, obviously, match day revenue, which I guess is a knock on effect from the, from the Champions League as, as well, but it seems to be that they're making money, you know, in all, in more money in all areas at the moment. Yes, they're, they're very much so. Um, and at present, you know, all they touch turns to gold. Uh, you know, the decision to expand Anfield to 54,000, that has proven to be uh, re really successful because if you drop down to uh, 2015, the uh, match day income was 59 million. Now it's 84. If you've got an extra 25 million pounds a season to spend, uh, yeah, all of that money is going on the playing squad, by the way, because if you take a look at if you, if you look at it, strip it then down to profits and profits is, is your income, less your costs. It's clear that the club are reinvesting the money um, into uh, both transfers and player wages, um, and, and that's that's good for growth because you, know, you you don't you don't go to watch matches for for the for the financial numbers. You, you go to see the team <laughs> win, and by God, you're winning this season. Yeah, which which is great. Um... I guess a cynic might look at this and say, "Well, that, that profit's sort of awfully big." And it's uh, the years bef the year before um, it was a world record profit, of course, and and, and that was, you know, it, it particularly kind of you know, not strange circumstances, but unique circumstances, obviously with the with the sale of Filgatino. But this is a, a decent profit again, a sizable one, forty two million pounds, and there might be a few people around the world sort of looking at that and thinking, "Well, that's a lot of money. What's happening to that?" Can you sort of explain to people, Kieran, who? you know, don't necessarily run a business or haven't got sort of, you know, finance degrees or accountancy degrees or whatever, why profit, unfortunately, for those of us who do run businesses, doesn't necessarily mean money in the bank. 
Um, well, the reason why is because often we, we do things on credit. So if you take a look at the sale of Philip Coutinho, um, I think Barcelona agreed to pay in four instalments. Uh, so whilst the, the fee the fee eventually received will be in the region of 130 million, um, you know, that that's not going to arrive all at once. So you have to be a little bit careful about profit because profit and cash aren't the same because some people are paying you money uh, in arrears and some people are paying you money early so all types it all t- tends to get a bit messy um and also what we're seeing in in terms of liverpool is is that they are reinvesting that money in the squad but that doesn't hit the accounts immediately so uh, you know liverpool spent 233 million pounds uh, in 2018-19 uh, in terms of yeah it was allison cater shakiri and, and fabinho um and that has uh, that soaked up a, a lot of the cash generated the previous year. Yeah, and new contracts as well. It should be said has kind of been highlighted in there. There's, there's, there's how kind of investments in in infrastructures sort of accounted for as well, isn't there? In terms of you know from the profits, I mean that goes that goes on on the books as an asset, doesn't it? And and so what the you know are investing in the future, hopefully with the Anfield Road, but right now in terms of the investments in the training ground in Kirby and things like that, that's kind of that's recorded slightly differently than what people would expect, maybe. Yes, because uh, that sort of drips in. If, if, if you if you improve the training ground, you might spread those costs over 20 years. But I think what is very good about Liverpool is, is that they did pay £20 million off the loans last year. If you if you just think about it from a personal point of view, if you pay down your mortgage, that reduces your interest charges. Um, and I think Liverpool have been very good at that. If, if you com- Again, I hate to compare uh, so often to, to that lot up the A580. <laughs> but um, since the Glazers acquired the club, they've spent over £800 million pounds uh on interest on the loans whereas and, and they they don't reduce their loans they just keep them the same every year whereas liverpool's approach appears to be pay down your debt and, and, if, and in doing so that reduces your interest if you've got less interest being paid out that's more money to invest in the squad so generally speaking kieran when you sort of look at this from a professional eye you know does it does it all kind of seem positive to you do you, do you look at that and think that that looks to me like a well-run football club and, and obviously one that's benefited from success you know recently but generally speaking is all, also seems to have benefited from sort of wise stewardship yes uh, I, I think uh, the, the owners appear to have a strategy they have a strategy both on the pitch and off the pitch uh, certainly in, in terms of uh, broadening the the fan base um, and, and getting new ways of interacting with the fan base and um, those those can all be very very lucrative in in the long term because what what we see with football fans is that if you are a member of the uh, of the fan club or things of that nature the club gets access to a bit of information about you that information can then be used to to generate offers uh, if the fans are happy with those they buy into that and and one of the things you know, it's a horrible horrible word because I'm, I'm a football fan but the monetization of the people that don't go to Anfield on a regular basis mm-hmm. is critical for the club's growth just as much as the, the regulars who are turning in week out, week out, week in, week out. And that's why, obviously, the highlights and things like the global social media reach and things like that. Yes, yes, because uh, if, you know, United claim to have 1.1 billion fans um, and they've got income of £600 million. So that works out as, what, 55 pence per fan per year. Now, if Liverpool can be really smart and interact with their fans in a better way and they can get one pound per fan per year, they're going to be streets ahead. So uh, I, I think they do have a strategy. I mean, I, I talked to one or two people uh, sort of who have worked at the club or working at the club, um, and, and they certainly are keen to not exploit fans because you know, that, that will come to bite that will bite you in the bum if you take such an approach but to engage with fans in as many ways as possible and, and we are living in a digital age so if, if you don't do it somebody else will and then all of a sudden you'll find yourself chasing somebody else's tail uh, just before we finish uh kieran and you yeah, you've, you've explained all this really brilliantly so thank you uh it was also worth noting that this reporting period was for the year up to may 31st 2019 um now if i remember rightly um a pretty good thing happened to liverpool on june the first uh, which is the day after so i guess what i'm saying is we don't expect these results to be even better when we're hopefully talking to you on the phone or even in person who knows this time next year yeah very much so because you've got your champions league you've got world club champions um, you've got the Premier League this year. Uh, it could have another Champions League final. Uh, yeah, so it, it, I, I, I'm expecting big things. I, I think this could be a real breakthrough year for Liverpool 2019-20. Um, 
and I think it will send out a message to the rest of football that uh, if, if you are organised, then uh, you, you can A, narrow the gap and, and B, take over other clubs who for a long time who thought that they were uh, irreplaceable. Look at us, a couple of financial experts chatting over the figures <laughs> there. Uh, brilliant. I hope I sounded like I knew what I was talking about. Oh, you're brilliant. Uh, <laughs> and look, you know, we don't always want to be, you know, mega positive about the club, but like just like on the on the pitch at the moment, it seems like off it, everything's going well. So thanks a lot to Kieran uh, for joining me. Now back to the Red Lads on the pitch. Uh, it's Andy. I'm joined by Robo in the studio, and we're going to talk about Harry's. Now, I'm fairly new to this. Um, I know Harry's been supporting us for a long time, uh, but I finally took the plunge and went out and um, got involved and got to say I'm fairly impressed with it. Um, as with anything, nowadays you can just order it through the internet. Didn't even have to leave the house. Uh, arrived in a couple of days, just through the letterbox and all that. And I was uh, fair to say, I don't get many presents these days as I'm getting on. So it was like a bit of a kid at Christmas. I know you've previously got involved with any of this. Yeah, uh, I've had to go, mate. Um, I, I honestly like it. I mean, look, you know, we're giving it a shout on the podcast for a reason and that's a, that we've teamed up with them. But we've teamed up with them because we think it's good. Uh, and the reason we've teamed up with them, like you say, it is like Christmas. It's like a post. It comes through the post and anything coming through the post feels like a little bit of a present. And when you open this... Pop my tax bill. Well, yeah, but you know, you're open this, and it, to me, it, it did feel like a touch of class. Like, you know, I've used various razors down the years, and mainly, like, you know, you wander into supermarkets or I do because of my minge bag and go, that one's on offer, that'll do, and, and you buy it, and then you get it back to your house and go, bit crap, this. Uh, whereas these boys, when it comes through the post, I don't know, it just felt a little bit special, and, you, you know, you've got a little prezzy there, it, it, it's hard wear, and it works well. And look, got a decent shave off it. Feels it, it weighty, I, weighty. Yeah, and it feels a touch like a of, good knife. It's a touch of class. And look, I think I think one of the big things about it as well is we all love a little bargain, like I said before. And this is three ninety five. You're getting something that's worth eleven fifty. You're getting your razor handle, five blade razor cartridge, some shave gel, and a travel blade cover for when you're like you know you're going abroad and all that kind of gear. And honestly, it's good quality stuff. It's like, like I say, you know, you can buy. We're not allowed to mention other brands, Andy, so don't get stuck into anyone. But let's just say you can definitely buy other razors from the supermarket that are a bit poo. <laughs> um, yeah, they might be, and also a bit more expensive. Um, one thing, one thing, me and Gareth are passionate about is grassroots football. We've talked about it a lot. We've done shows, press cut cables. I go to Marine. Um, and it turns out Harry's are also getting involved, uh, not just by supporting our, su- supporting our podcast, but by also supporting football's other guys, uh, five-side teams and other Sunday league squads that bring bibs, lay down cones and take goalposts every Sunday and possibly Saturdays as well, all for the love of the game. Harry's will be celebrating this grassroots, uh, grassroots football with a competition at the start of March. I think changing room makeovers, new kits, goalposts and other much-needed things to revitalise the grounds of local teams. That is through football's other guys, and yeah, as we said, Harry's is supporting it. Sounds like a good initiative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, anything that supports football at the lower levels, I think, is is to be welcomed. And you know, it's getting tougher down there. I mean, I think loads of leagues and loads of teams continue to go that to the wall. People don't really talk about it too much, but even things like the schedule and the football, the schedule and the Premier League, it makes it tough for these fellas. So to keep things going and the fees keep going up, councils get less and less interested. So anything that supports it. And, you know, companies like Harry's getting involved only to be welcomed and it's good stuff. So, yeah, so that's it. So once again, the uh, the offer that you can get with it, if you want to get involved with the Harry stuff anyway, uh, you can get three ninety five. you get a trial set worth £11.50, which includes, as Gareth said, your razor handle, fire blade razor cartridge, shave gel and a travel blade cover. And you can get that from harrys.com forward slash Anfield. Nice one. And it's Lizzie Doyle for the weekend, and I am joined in the studio. You've already heard from her, but I am sat with Ranhild Lund-Ansness from, you'll probably know Ranhild from Hotel Tia, publisher of books, author of books. Uh, and I'm very glad that she's in the studio with me now. Ranhild, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So the reason I have asked you to come in and have a little chat is because there is a lovely, exciting event coming up on Sunday, the 8th of March. And it's the Live Girls campaign, which I know you've been a part of. I know you've uh, pushed for it. And it's going international for International Women's Day. How excited are you? Can you see the smile? Yes. It's like going around my I head, I people actually. can hear it in your yes. voice. <laughs> like the whole of me is smiling right now because this is a, an old dream. I've been working on the campaign in Norway for seven years. And it's made wonders in terms of uh, empowering female fans basically it sounds very scary to empower people but it really has I mean so many girls throughout the years we've been working to 
get the, the female fans together, strengthen their platforms, the networks, build friendships, has really made the girls, the female fans of Norway, more visible in media. They're more visible in social media. They dare to raise their opinion. They travel more to Anfield. They've found new friends that they travel over regularly with. And it's just so nice to hear the feedback of, wow, you know, thanks for doing this for us girls, because a lot of them feel a bit isolated as fans because um, us females are still uh, in minority and a lot of girls feel like they are a little bit lonely in their supporting of Liverpool because their girlfriends are not as crazy about football as they are and they don't really feel like a part of the guys and don't feel sort of natural to be a part of that supporter group necessarily. doesn't mean all girls are like this, but some girls, this is the feedback I've got from some girls. So creating the Live Girls Norway has made all these new friendships so 20 year olds travel regularly now to Anfield with 72 year olds <laughs> and they share hotel rooms and they they plan flights together and they go to European away trips and it's just really beautiful to see. It's lovely and I mean you said you were like one of the first or you were the first female board member uh, was it the Norwegian Supporters yeah. Club you were the first one exactly in 30 years and um, the Norwegian Supporters Club is now turning 40 this year this summer and I was the first one in 30 years who, who actually got the question would you like to join us and um, by then I had given out my first official Liverpool Football Club book and toured with it and I saw that surprisingly many of, of the guys uh, well the people that would show up on my book signing events with with an ex-player by girls and we funded having the ex-players over by putting up supporter events um, and I just couldn't believe how many females who would show up for these these events because I I was really sort of judgmental about who was the typical supporter from the outside of football back then because all you saw in the media back then when anybody was commenting on football as a fan it would be an overweight 40 plus preferably drunk man <laughs> and uh <laughs> You never saw a girl raising her opinion on, no. on, a, on a match straight after or, you know, in the media or in the papers. So I hope this campaign can encourage females all over the world to dare to raise their opinion, be share, share their thoughts and passion about Liverpool and um, inspire other girls to do the same. So you've seen the popularity of it in Norway and now you want to take it international. You want to take it worldwide. You want female fans of Liverpool to come together in one event and basically get to know each other, have a laugh, make some connections um, and, and and have a nice time. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about going the match together. But, you know, I think me and you had a chat sort of off air the other day and about how sort of we feel on like your aways and like away games where you've got to stay over, where you're the only woman. It's it's quite hard, quite isolating, isn't it? Because we are minority, but we are also very different to men. And even though we support the club in the same way, it's nice sometimes to, to have another female there with you and, and, and not to feel like you can't go to the match if you're not with, I don't know, a sibling or a partner or a friend that you can't go on your own or go with another girl. Exactly, because some some things are just, you know, it's just different when you get to a certain level of alcohol, I think, <laughs> on a European away night. Um you do feel a bit alien, alien, alienated. Is that what you yeah, call yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, although I love traveling with the boys in general. You know, I, I feel always, I always feel very welcome. It's just that at, yeah, at no, some I feel the point same. you just sort of um, split your ways yeah. of, of uh, you can just feel that you have different interests in, in the rest of the night, basically. Yeah. Um, but also I'm thinking sometimes it's not just even... Um, making new friends is also just about seeing that you're not the only one you know that yeah. you meet someone and and for for this campaign going international we'll have people flying in from all continents Brilliant. so you can have um all of a sudden all these connections all over the world you can go and, and visit and you can get so much more input in terms of way of life and and if you ever go to other continents, you definitely know where you can watch the match and where you can be safe. And yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, football is like uh, a bond between us. And I just want to strengthen those female bonds. That We're would creating be an, an environment, sorry, Ranghild. Um, and um, by strengthening those bonds is this event uh, on Sunday, the 8th of March. So 
it's a celebration, isn't it? It's a get together and it's going to start from half two and it's going to start a hotel tier and it's going to be fans home mingle and a concert. That's right. So it's open for everyone. Hotel Tia, uh, the Hotel Tia event is free for everyone to come along to. Uh, you've got to be a girl, obviously, um, and you have to come and sing along. There will be a live concert at four. So it's, it's basically like a meetup place. You can come and go. All the participants of this night will have 20% off in the LFC store. So maybe someone want to go off and do some shopping some of the girls will be going to a behind-the-scenes the tour. You can sign up to that. You will find more information about that on, on the on the ticket uh, source uh, link. And um, and then eventually we will make our way over to Anfield, the ground, where we will have a reception in the executive lounge overlooking the pitch and drink some bubbles or something else if you prefer that. And then we will also have the chance to have a look at the boardroom, which is quite exciting for someone who's never able to see uh, the finest room inside Anfield, except that the dressing room is probably the finest <laughs> room, but the second finest room. And then we'll have um, a beautiful dinner with some inspirational guest speakers. And some of the guest speakers that are confirmed, I mean, we've got Liverpool CEO, Peter Moore. Uh, he's a big advocate of like women's football and the women's team. Um, so I think he'll be really good. Phil Thompson's just been announced. I know. He just sent me a text as in 10 minutes ago. He'd love to come. And he's got such a lovely story because his mom and his dad uh, were always fighting over the seven kids, which <laughs> team they should support. The mom was red. The dad was blue. And... Um, Phil Thompson's mom was like a pioneer in terms of female supporter fan because um, she would go on to every game in her nice clothes with her twin sister uh, and support the Reds. And when Phil's dad sailed off on some ships, uh, she would bring every child to Anfield on special wow, occasions and make sure they were all marinated in red. So when Phil's dad came home... <laughs> And try to All bribe the kids them were back. Yeah, well, well, he tried to bribe them back with money <laughs> and gifts and stuff. No chance. Sold. So, Phil Thompson's pioneer mom, supporter mom, liver girl of her time, made sure we had the first Scouser to lift the European Cup as a captain. What a woman! What a woman. Oh, do you know what? I'm looking forward to hearing from, from Phil. That's, I mean, I didn't know that story. It's, I mean, I think, like, you, you think back, um, uh, and, we, and we talk about how women fans is quite a, a new thing in terms of how many there are, but you hear the songs on the cop. It's every other Saturday, it's, it's me half day off, and it's, we love to see the lasses with the red scarves on. Women have been going. I think it's just not really been shouts about, so there wasn't that many. Um, and it's amazing that Phil Thompson's uh, mum is one of them. And then yours truly, me, uh, is going to speak what about a team. myself. <laughs> what a team. I can't wait to yes. uh, share your story on the stage as well, yes. because you are a pioneer as well. Oh, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really nice. I think it's nice that we get to chat between us. Um, I think, like, it, it's mad because I, I said to you, it's, it's hard when you're in and you don't see the things you actually have to overcome and, and, and everything seems so normal. But even the things that shouldn't be normal that we make normal just to, like, excuse, like, certain comments online and, and judgments that are made about us. I mean, I just, it'd be nice to just to share with the women that, like, actually... You know, it doesn't matter what other people say about you. You can end up in whatever job you want to do. If you want to do that job, if you want to talk about football for a living, you can talk about football for a living. So I'm really, really honoured that you asked me to be a part of it. And I'm I'm really, really looking forward to the night. So just to reiterate, it's a half to it's a half to start a hotel tier. That's the free event. It's the Fan Zone Mingle live concert. Uh, you can sort of come and go as you please. The Liverpool store's got discounts on. There'll be uh, tours around Anfield. But then the ticket apart um, is a six o'clock reception at Anfield there'll be a dinner uh, guest speakers there'll be a DJ lovely George Sefton yeah I mean come on he's legend, such a legend legend himself um, and you get a goodie bag and yeah so you can get your tickets on ticketsource.co.uk um, so just type in Live Girls International that will come up the information's also on Hotel Tia's social media as well that's right so if you go to uh, Hotel Tia's Facebook page you will find us there or our Twitter account perfect Ranhill thank you so much I'll see you next week do get down there if you can it'll be a wonderful event uh, Event. it'll be absolutely lovely if you and do historical. go there, yeah, and it, historical yeah it historical it's never done before in Top Flight International Football Liverpool Football Club from be the fans to the fans we first 
first. Yeah, and it's on International Women's Day as well, which I know a lot of people will want to be a part of. And if you do go along, please do come and say hello. It's always nice to see your faces. Uh, that's it. Thank you. Back to the studio. Hello, Reds. So as you know, the Amphirap is teaming up with The Athletic this season. Uh, they are sponsoring our shows, and we do genuinely like what they're doing. And one thing they are doing is a podcast called The Red Agenda, all with sound people that we genuinely like. So it's Cy Hughes, it's James Pierce, and it's Steve Hoddersall. And here's a clip from that podcast with Cy Hughes telling you just how good Trent Alexander-Arnold is. He's the best attacking right back I've ever seen. Yeah. I genuinely mean that. I think he's a better player than Danny Alves. Like he's a better passer of the ball than Danny Alves. I, ge- I genuinely think that. I well, think his all round game is better. All round. Well, I would say I think there's still room for improvement defensively, and I think he'd admit that himself. I think there's room for improvement in every level of his game. I actually thought some of his corners last night. You know, it was a bit frustrating sometimes. You know, it seemed like he wasn't beating the first man. I don't. Maybe him being a bit unfair there, but I don't know how you stop him. How do you stop your fullback being the most creative player in the team? Like, what does an opposition manager do to stop that? Did he play two left backs in the team and just say, well, you know, that, that area of the field, we're not going to attack? I don't think he can stop what he does. So maybe in the years gone by, I think he, he always thought, oh, I'd love to be the main man in the middle, you know, to be that sort of Gerard like figure. But he can influence the game in a far more swashbuckling yeah, way, in, more, in a more dramatic way yeah. as well. And I, I think he's going to add more goals to his game. Brilliant stuff. Thanks to Lizzie and thanks to Ragnhild. And Ragnhild, stay with you. Uh, we're going to be talking about Watford now and the big game at Vicarage Road, Saturday R5. Uh, another club that are fighting relegation. Uh, Liverpool toiled and struggled a little bit against West Ham on Monday. Do you think Watford are looking at that at all and maybe taking the smallest glimmer of hope that they can get something out of this game? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they are fighting for their lives and we didn't play too well against Norwich either. So it seems like we, we're not taking out our big guns uh, on the on the lowest, uh, um, lowest teams on the table. But also, if you look at Watford, they've played fairly well against the best teams. I mean, they drew, they drew against Arsenal. They also drew against Tottenham. They won 2-0 over Manchester United. And this is a team that hasn't won since 1st of January. So they are really struggling, that's for sure. But they have started scoring goals. I mean, the top scorer, Dini, he scored five, and that's all happened in December and January. So mm-hmm. he's, he's in, in f- some sort of form. Um, so I think they are in that fraction of teams who will do anything they can to play well against the, the top teams. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's probably a bit of a motivational problem, I think. Uh, when you only perform against the best teams. Liverpool has definitely been there in the past, so I don't blame them. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, I, I think, they're shown in that. I, I think the source of some residual beef with Watford, if you like, which goes back up way. It's five years now. We got beat 3-0 at Vickery Road, and everyone still re- remembers it because we had Bogdan in goal, Skirtle had a bit of a nightmare that day, we got bullied by them, and, and we were well beaten on the day. But since then, we've won every match, pretty much. And it's like, you know, we, we sort of need to forget that now. We're much better than them. Um, you know, as you, as it's just been said there, it, it's sort of... You know, when Pearson first took over, they picked up, I think it was 14 points from seven games and everyone was, was praising them and saying how well they were doing. Then it's dropped off a cliff. They haven't done anything in the last five. Um, they look favourites to go down again, you know, with West Ham and Norwich. And so it's it's one of them. You just kind of think, and it's the same before every Liverpool game now, the best version of Liverpool turns up, they've got no chance. Yeah, you'd like to think if we just turn up and just be us, then it'll be enough, you know, as proven this season with, with, with what we're doing. Um, but for me, you can't take any half-five game away from home against the relegation side for granted, especially at this point in the season. You know, we, we've had it in years gone by. I know it's a different animal this this, this year, but it, it's still, it's going to be a scrap. You know, you mentioned Troy Deeney there. You know, he, he loves a scrap. He loves playing against us. We just need to not take anything for, not take anything for granted. Don't be, you know, turn up wanting to win as, as much as we all want to win and as much as we've seen. Because that's what I was impressed by against West Ham the other night. As soon as like we went, we, we did go down. How much they all they all wanted to win and how much it meant to them, not just to, to get draw the game and sort of walk away, but to actually win the game. Um, and you can see there's a hunger in their eyes. So, so yeah, just 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 keep going. I think we have to remember, don't we, Andy? As well, like we're almost getting a, a little bit spoiled. I think possibly by this season and and, and almost forgetting how good Liverpool are. You're, you're being hit by that many positive facts 
that some of them maybe bounce off and you forget how good they are. And, you know, I was doing a bit of research around this game and there's a site where you can sort of split the table home and away like they used to and it seems like no one bothers anymore. There's There's one site still doing it. And Liverpool's form away from home in the Premier League is absolutely phenomenal this season. So it's played 13, won 12, drawn one, lost none. But it's 26 goals scored. It's six goals conceded. And that's way, that's streets ahead of everyone else. 37 points won on the road. City are next down with 28 won on the road. They played a game more than Liverpool. And in terms of, you know, those conceded, so six goals, as I say, conceded. City are closest to as they've conceded 12 on the road. Six conceded in 13 away from home is phenomenal. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous, especially when you put it into context of what we're doing overall home yeah. and our way. It's generational. I mean, we were talking about before we dropped those did we did drop those two points to Man United. We won the previous 17 if you go back into the previous season. I really fancy us against Watford. I take what Sean's saying, um, but I always feel that Liverpool are a little bit rusty after a long break. And I think we saw that after Athletic. It was almost like the conditions hit. It takes them a week or two to get going again. I think the nature of the results. I fancy us more having gone through what we went through against West Ham, having to switch on and scrap for it, as if we just steamrolled West Ham. Because then you know you have the whole complacency thing. I think it serves as a wake up. Um, I mean, you talk about. I mentioned about Troy Deeney. Uh, Troy Deeney is always a good um, reference point with Liverpool. I remember him saying after that three, and I think we mentioned it earlier in the week. You know, you can bully Liverpool, and then three years later, he's talking about Virgil Van Dijk being his nightmare opponent because you can't get anywhere near him. And one thing you can say about Deeney is that he, he doesn't mince his words. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, well, I, I, I could have said something different, but you I know, I was going to say we can't swear on this. No, program. well, well, I didn't swear <laughs> that one, did I? Uh, no, as you said, Pearson come in, they got a little, a little bit of a bounce, but they seem to revert it to me. The one thing always sticks out for me against Watford is Ben Foster, either has an absolute worldie or an absolute stinker. Yeah. So I'm hoping it will be an absolute stinker uh, for the against the Reds on Saturday afternoon. Well, Saturday evening. And Becky, we haven't even mentioned this, and this is what I mean, this proves the point of what I've just said, that if, if Liverpool win this game, they set a new record for the most consecutive wins in the in the top flight in English football ever. So it, it, it would be 19 consecutive wins. And this is what I mean about there's been so many records, so many highs, so many things that have been broken. It almost get, It's almost getting lost now and everyone's a bit like, eh, won the league, sound in it. I know, it's it's all the more sweet that it's sort of it's a Man City record as well, isn't yeah. it? It's all it's just all the sweet and and I'm just I, I literally can't believe it when you think of like where we were a few years ago to think where we are now. It's just so exciting to see. And obviously like it was a little bit scared well, I was a little bit scared on um on Monday. Not not properly scared. I, I thought we would get it back, but I was just sort of like, What's going on here? But then when you see the fight in them and you just see like not just the fight, but also like the calmness when when they went down. I think there was a while where they were a little bit, you know, they were just trying to win, but then they just that calmness came in that last thirty minutes, and I was just like, look at this team, like who plays like this when they're down, when they when they're like playing for the Premier League for like the first time, and you know, well in the Premier League in thirties and all this stuff, and I just can't believe the character of them, and I just think there's no way that we're gonna go down there and and not get that record. I feel like I feel like it's just going to happen. Let's hope it does happen. Um, I'm, I'm having to sort of give away some of my gold that I used on the Anfield Raps preview show on the video channel. But obviously, everyone should go and get onto that. It's free at the moment. It's on YouTube. But I'll, I'll reveal some of the gold. And the gold was uh, this stat, that the Reds have not conceded more than once in consecutive league games since December 2016, which again is mad. It's like... It's like if they do concede a couple of goals or anything goes wrong, you can almost imagine them all around the table sorting it out. I mean, there's a quite a funny thing going out today, a clip of them uh, all sitting around the table as though they're trying to work out uh, an advert for coconut water. Uh, you should all go and watch it. It's absolutely brilliant. Another insight into how boss these lads are. But in in all seriousness, in these team meetings, with, with the coaches they've got, and you've got to include people like Pep Linders, also the statistical fellas behind the scenes and stuff like that, they know what they're doing and they keep ironing out at even the smallest of problems. So you'd be very surprised, having conceded two on Monday, if they go and do anything like that again at Watford, wouldn't you? Definitely. I just have to add, though, uh, Alison Becker had just reached Bruce Grobelaar's record of clean sheets in a row, 10. 
Uh, and I did meet Bruce just after the West Ham game. And as much as he said in one of the Hotel Tia podcasts that uh, I don't mind him breaking my record. He had the biggest smirky ah. grin on <laughs> because he didn't go past him. Now he needs to start up all over again, he said <laughs> with a big, big smile. But yeah, definitely all these stats are helping us also in terms of knowing the fact that you don't panic in the stands either when we are under because we know statistically we are the team who will um, lay under and then come back and win the game most often of all the teams. It's, it's almost been turned on its head. I mean, you look at the way the, the game against West Ham went. I mean, in previous years, you know, the, the ground would be boisterous because you'd be at them. And then, you know, where, if things don't go our way, it then goes quiet. Whereas the other day, it was quiet. The other way around, yeah. mm. And it had completely flipped on its head. And it's almost like the crowd come alive when there was something to almost to get your teeth yeah. into. In those 14 minutes when we were 2-1 down, yeah. it was like everyone went, hang on, what? Yeah. Nah. But imagine... But it, 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 Go back not so long ago. What's the atmosphere like at, at Anfield if City go two one up? Yeah, I, I was going to say that actually. I think um, the crowd I'd, I'd, from after Monday it's got a bit of stick, hasn't it? And like talking about uh, being quiet in the first half and what, what's up with everyone. You know, we're going to win the league and stuff like that. But I think Anfield's been the best it's been for years this year, That's and fair and and it has been for the last last two years. I think it's been really really good. There's league games, uh, you know, I sit in the in the centenary, the lower centenary. And honestly, for league games, they're all singing and everything. It's mad. It's it's not like it was three, four, five years ago. It's completely different. So, you know, it's going back to that taking things for granted thing. I, I think that's a bit harsh, that, with the crowd. I, I think maybe the level, the, the levels they've been at, and they're so high that it's it's driven standards up, and everyone's used to just seeing us beat teams and beat teams quite easily. And the minute a small things goes goes wrong, there are perennial moaners within the Anfield. We all know who they are. And I think a few of them reared their head the other night and it was a bit like, well, hang on, what are you moaning about? But, Everton's brilliant. But there's the difference. They were getting pulled up on it, whereas yeah, previously yeah, yeah, it'd just yeah. be let lie. Yeah. And there's a difference between the the, the, the the quietness in Anfield when you're nervous or you're dreading not being 3-0 up on 60 compared to like, I almost put it down to a contentedness knowing that actually, you know what, we're really good at football. And then when things go against you, you'll turn up and turn it on and switch on and, and get into it. Um, so yeah, it, it's night and it's night and day really. I'm kind of with Sean. I mean, it, it, I was me, me our fellas always want for saying everyone thinks Anfield was was rocking every game during the eighties. No, it, it wasn't. never was. I know. Yeah, it fact, wasn't. It's but bad. the important thing is we've got it in our locker that when we need to turn up, they, they, they turn up. Otherwise, just sit back and appreciate the best football team in the world. Yeah, we're saving it up for Atletico, aren't we? Um, <laughs> the the other thing then, Sean, is what what we're going to see. Do you think in terms of a side? Um, I think a lot of it picks itself, doesn't it? But you know, maybe one one discussion point is is Naby because mm. he's on the pitch the other night. Um, he's then off the pitch. Oxley Chamberlain comes on, makes an impact, and you kind of think, do you think those two are getting swapped round for for a start off? Yeah, it's it's a tough one for me because I I prefer Oxley Chamberlain as a player. I think we're better with him in the side, but I also think that Kaiser needs to run the games to get to his best. So I think Klopp will go with Kaiser. I think he'll stick with Kaiser. Um, and maybe give him the Chelsea game as well because I think that's interesting around the weekend I think I know what Klopp will do I think he'll go really strong against Watford and then maybe not so strong against Chelsea but you know it's it's, it's an interesting one as to what I'd do you know I'd probably do do, do it the other way around but but um, yeah I, I think he'll stick with Kai to me any other any other takers on that situation I would think the opposite um I don't you think Oxley. Yeah, coming in? yeah, because he he generated so much more energy, and also you know it's something about how players um, create confidence in the players around you. They make they make players better or yeah. worse, and I think Keita still because he still hasn't really adapted to the tempo. Um, he creates a bit uncertainty around him on, on the around the players around him. Um, while when Ox came, he just changed the game. And also, I think playing against um, a team like Watford, I think they will park the bus a lot because they will mm. fear us so much. I mean, we've scored 27 goals in the last nine um, games we played uh, against them. So they will fear us firing at them and they will they will defend heavily, I suspect. And then to have a player like Ox who can, who can approach the goal in so many different ways and be creative and and fire some long shots and he can dribble around them. So I think his um, unpredictable way of playing and, and the whole sort of range of, of uh, ways he can, he can get us to the goal and to the box is probably to be preferred. 
Okay, and Becky, what are you saying? You reckon any surprises with the team, or you know, I mean, most like I said before, to show most of it picks itself, doesn't it? You, yeah. you you don't expect any surprises with the back four. You don't expect any surprises with the front three. So you know, it, it, there's not there's not that much to discuss. It's probably going to be it's, the same it's, as, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Oxo case thing. Um, I'm I'm completely stuck between both of your points of view. <laughs> That's basically where I am. I was having this discussion last night, actually. And one of my mates said to me, which I thought was an interesting point, he just said, you know, without Henderson or without Milner, who do a lot of the talking and do a lot of the, um, you know, like the GM people up in the midfield, maybe Ox might be better just because he seems like a, a larger character. And maybe just to have more talking in the midfield, Ox might, Ox might get picked because of that. So that maybe that'll be it, but I'm not sure. Is Milner, is Milner fit? Yeah. Yeah, the that could be a shelf for Milner, given that. But yeah, yeah. But he could he could be king of the kids on Tuesday though, couldn't yeah, he? Yeah, it's true. So it's one of them. And what's um, what your finger do you want Tuesday? I'm I'm with you in that. I think it'll probably be a younger side, but I wonder whether he'll smatter it with a few seniors just because Chelsea now it's their most realistic chance of, of a trophy, isn't it? Because they've mm. obviously cocked Europe up yeah. quite spectacularly. Uh, they're not doing anything in uh, the league. So yeah. I, I I think they're going to go for it. We know they're going to go for it. So maybe it strengthens with a few seniors. What are you saying, Andy? In terms of a a score down there, then let's finish up with getting a score off everyone. Three zero to, to Liverpool. Yeah, of course. <laughs> not a repeat. Yeah, of, not a repeat of, of the bog down one. No. Sure. What are we saying? Um, I hate doing predictions, but one more than them will do me. Okay, I like it. Well, we are uh, always scoring loads against them, so I go for 4 0 Liverpool. 4 0 4, if you like. Go ahead. Uh, Becky? I'm sorry, I'm going to be slightly more negative. I feel like we've still maybe got a chance of conceding one in us. I still okay. feel like we're still, we're, we're gonna, we're still needing to just get all the way back to uh, clean sheets. I feel like maybe a 3 1 or a 4 1. That's what I think. That'll do me nicely. Yeah. <laughs> a full house in terms of expecting a win then. Yeah. A full house in terms of expecting Liverpool to break yet another record. Uh, that has been the weekend. Thanks to everyone who's been on it and everyone who's been involved with all the interviews. Uh, another one next week, as usual. And remember, loads of the stuff is free at the moment. So check it out in all the places where it is right now, which is YouTube, Spotify, all the podcasts. Pa- podcast providers that was hard to say even harder than your name um, <laughs> and yeah up the reds enjoy your weekend sports social podcast network